0: What should you do when you first get started on a new product management job or with a new product that you don't know that much about? And what I mean is, how can you start delivering value right away? You're one of the most expensive people on staff, most likely. It would be great if people felt you weren't just a boat anchor when you show up. So there's a lot of advice out there about your first 90 days in a new product management job. In fact, we have a podcast episode in the archives. It's episode nine from quite a long time ago at alltheresponsibility.com/9 called guarantee success in your first 100 days in a new product management job. Now my co-host at the time Rob McGready and I provided 10 things you could do to help ensure your long-term success in the new job. These were, well I've got a list of them and I recommend listening to the whole episode if you want the details, but basically things like meet with everybody, understand your boss's expectations, Figure out what the assumptions are be, that everybody has and test those assumptions out about the product, about the market, things like that. Get on some help and sales calls so you can find out how people are talking to the customers and what the customers are saying. Get introduced to your top partners. Get a list of information streams so you can find out where to find stuff out. Understand what your boss thinks they're good at because you don't want to step on their, your boss's toes. And get or complete a product audit. Now, that's a lot of stuff to do. And it will definitely prepare you to be the product expert in the future and to know how the business specifically works and to know a lot of details. You know, and this list is pretty similar to a lot of the other first 90 days lists. Even though ours is special because it's actually 100 days, obviously quite different. But that list and most of them don't say much about delivering value right away. So what else should you be doing? How do you provide value right away? Should you expect to be able to, and are other people expecting it? Well, in my experience, you can provide value right away, and you should expect it of yourself. And if your colleagues aren't expecting it, that makes you look even better, so that's a plus. But of course, they are expecting a lot from you, because they're likely in pain right now from not having enough product management already. You came on, and you're going to make their life better, so it's nice if you can start doing that right away. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 72 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, podcast for product managers and all folks in product. Now, I do this podcast because I think there's better models and ways of thinking about doing product management and being a product manager. Unfortunately, too often we're pitched and trained on the wrong old models and ideas, and I would almost put the first 90 days kinds of lists into that category slightly. It's not that those are wrong, but there's some other things you need to think about. So in each episode... I try to look at sort of old thinking, maybe break it down, maybe shatter it if I can, or at least challenge it, and give you new ideas, new mental models, and new approaches to product management, to what we do, why we do it, how to do it better and more effectively, and, of course, I like to talk about the impact of making these improvements as well. Now, this episode obviously focused on how to make a difference when you've just joined the team and you don't know anything. Now, you can find the notes for this show, plus a place to leave me a comment or a complaint, on the episode at alltheresponsibility.com 72. Now, in the notes, you'll find links to several articles and previous podcast episodes related to what I cover here. And the good news is you can start contributing value right away. It might not look like it does later when you're more of an expert, but it's still highly valuable. So what are you going to do? Well, you kind of go back to the basics. Now, I've mentioned before, this was an episode number 327, every successful product is successful in the same way, every unsuccessful product is unsuccessful in its own way. And what do I mean by that? Well, it means that there's like six or seven different things that a successful product has successfully done, right? From finding a market problem to creating a good solution to having good go-to-market and some other things. And unsuccessful products, typically one of those things or more has broken down. And so that means there will be signs and indicators, even if you don't know much at all about the product that can give you insights about where to focus on improving things. Meaning, there are things that are likely to be going wrong, especially if the product is having problems in the market or there's some kinds of problems with the product. And you can use your product sense to spot those and sometimes to take action to start addressing them, even without knowing much about the product at all. Hopefully you have some product sense. If you don't have product sense, listen to all my podcast episodes and you will get it. And you can start using your product sense to look around and see where there are opportunities. Now, this is also a chance at this early stage to use your actual newness and unfamiliarity with the way things are done to see if the emperor might not be fully dressed. Of course, taking action on any of these things is pretty hard if you're new, but you can start by at least making the observations and maybe applying what you learned later. Now, the next thing you can do is you can also figure out what people think they know, but they don't really know. I'll explain this a little bit more this is things like, how does the system actually work? How do the pieces fit together? What is the data flow? What all the parts are? What are the assumptions that different components make about each other? Kind of what the product does and why. Just as an example of that, I've gotten a lot of mileage from a very simple diagram I drew of how one of the systems I worked on flowed across the life cycle of a client coming on board. So it started from the first call with the prospect, the salesperson calls the prospect, they go through the sales process, they sign the contract, and then that client comes on board to our platform. And there's a lot of things that happen in that process because of the particular type of software that this was. Now I shared that diagram many times with many people within the company, both new people and experienced people, and I got uniform responses that it was incredibly valuable, gave them insights they did not have before, and an understanding that no one had ever given them. In other words, I drew a picture of a basic process that this company had been doing for many years that had never been drawn before. And I find it kind of amazing how no one has drawn out things in a way that's easy to understand. And I know this doesn't just happen at this particular company. I know it happens at a lot of companies because I've seen it a lot. It can be especially problematic if the product is sort of large and complex with lots of kind of de facto silos Where the people in the different silos, no matter how well-intentioned they are, might not know everything that's going on in the silos before them and after them, and yet they depend on those other silos for their data or to process the things that they hand on. And so drawing these visualizations can be incredibly powerful and actually can create a huge amount of value. And it's a perfect time to do it when you don't know anything, because you just go and ask people, oh, what happens then? Tell me about this piece. Oh, Do you have this data? Do you have that data? Where did you get that data? What do you know about that data? What happens to that data later on? And then you go ask somebody else about what they do with the data, and you may find a totally different story about what they do with the data. Very interesting process to do and very illuminating and quite valuable. And you do not have to know much in order to actually draw these visualizations. Now, I usually personally do these in PowerPoint because that's the kind of person I am. I'm not good at drawing tools. I would love to be good at drawing tools, but I'm not. But you can use whatever drawing tool you like. You might even like to do it on a whiteboard, although I think it's valuable to have it in some form that you can easily share and modify and update. I actually use PowerPoint's animation features to kind of animate the flow of things happening sometimes. Not always. You know, basically I just start out though by drawing some boxes representing the major steps that a customer might go through or that whatever the process looks like, and I draw some arrows between those boxes indicating the data flows or process flows, whatever it might be. You know, if you want to get super fancy, you can kind of start annotating the flow. You can start putting little pictures of people on about what roles do different operations and things like that. But don't get super fancy on this. You can just get basic, you can just add a little bit of annotation to make things more clear. You know, You can put on what data is actually traveling on these flows or which roles use the flow or how often the flow happens. There's all kinds of different things you can do. But it turns out that simply mapping out the flow can be eye-opening for your colleagues. Now, another thing that's really valuable when you first started is you can act as a user yourself and learning the application from their perspective. This isn't always possible depending on the complexity of the application, but often it is. Remembering that you know, particularly if you're an enterprise software where your software does some kind of job, your users are not really interested in becoming experts in your product. Most of them are not. They're interested in getting their own jobs done better. And so if you can put yourself into their shoes and think about doing the job with the product, even just the onboarding step is often really revealing about whether the product really cares that much about the customer, whether it thinks about the customer or the user. Um, if it makes good good default choices and things like that. But any amount of time that you can spend using your own product, particularly when you're really naive about it, is really valuable. And it's sometimes hard to make happen depending on what the app does, but you can often learn a lot and get some good insights. In fact, right now in the app that I'm responsible for, I'm about to make, well, I've been making some improvements for problems that I observed when I first started a few years ago. It can take a long time sometimes to apply the things that you learn when you first get started, to the solution itself. But it can be really valuable. And the improvements that I've made have actually made a big change. One of the interesting things about these improvements, though, is that not too many people recognized that the improvements were there to be made. There was a little bit of a situation where people just thought this was the way things were done. There were a lot of manual steps, and we're automating a lot of them. And people didn't really realize that the things that they were doing that were tedious and error-prone could be automated. Pretty interesting, particularly in the second decade of the 20th century, that that is still true, but there you go. So um, a lot of uh, good output. And, And as I say, I learned about these things. I started to learn about them in the first week that I was on this job. Another thing you can do is to start making decisions. Now, you probably won't have the opportunity to make big decisions when you first start, but the point is that often having a decision is more important than the particular decision itself. That is, as long as it's not a stupid decision, you're probably good. And at this stage, you might want to limit yourself, of course, to the degree possible, to reversible types of decisions. But someone has to make a decision to make progress. You need decisions. And it's your role to make them, even if you don't have all the information. In fact, our decisions are always made in the domain of uncertainty. It's just super uncertain when you're just starting out. You don't know anything and supposed to only knowing 60% of the facts. And this is also, making these kinds of decisions, it's a good opportunity to show your ability to collaborate, to learn from others, and to have humility. To make a decent decision about a situation you don't know much about, you have to ask a lot of good questions, and your new team will appreciate you asking those questions, and they'll do their best to answer them for you. And there's a lot of things you can learn in this process, by the way, like how your team members think about the product, how they think about the user, You can learn about whether you have usage data and things. How much customer usage data do you actually have? And if you ask about have we gotten feedback on this change from, from customers, have customers requested this change, and you don't have any customer data, well, that's a very interesting data point to have. If you ask about how similar questions or decisions have been made in the past, if there's a standard, and you find out that there isn't one, well, that's also useful information, maybe an opportunity for you to add more value by creating a standard for how to make decisions. Now, the other thing at this point is you may go in and you may say, well, I'm, I think we should do X. And you then ask some questions or get some feedback from the team about how maybe X is not the, the best solution. Maybe you should choose Y. And, of course, there's never just two decisions, two op- options. There's always X and Y and A and B prime B and uh, XYZ and things like that. You may get feedback, and at that point, this is where you get to show how professional you are by saying, oh, you know what? I realize that X was not the right decision. Let's now change it to Y, and then you get everybody on board with Y. And Y is probably going to be a better decision at that point. But this process, it's a good way to learn to work with your team. It's a good way to learn things about your product. And sometimes the decision is just a forcing function to then drive the team to help you figure out what the actual correct decision is. So let's just quickly talk about what if you're actually not a new product manager? What if you're an experienced product manager on your current product? Why would you be listening to this episode? Well, I think, obviously, my dulcet tone's quite amazing. But in reality, there's this concept of beginner's mind. This idea that it's always really valuable to try to, at least for a moment, put yourself back in that situation where all the stuff you know, all the back-end stuff you know, isn't in the front of your mind, let's say, and where you can again sort of put yourself in the customer's shoes, in the shoes of somebody that doesn't know much, and look at the world and see, is this all making sense, right? Because one of the things that happens as we learn a lot of things, as we learn a lot about our product, is we start to drink the Kool-Aid, basically. We start to understand why a thing that seems annoying to customers is the way it is, and then maybe we excuse it, The fact is, if it's annoying to customers, we probably shouldn't be excusing it. We should probably say, yes, I understand why it's that way, but we still need to change it to make the customer's experience better. I mean, obviously, again, there's a decision-making process there. You have to choose your battles. But oftentimes, as we get that curse of knowledge, it keeps us from seeing things from the customer's perspective, from the perspective of simplicity, from the perspective of just elegance and things like that. I think it's valuable to apply all of these ways of thinking, even if you already know a lot, even if you are an expert, even if you are the expert in the product at this point. It's really good to apply these ideas. So let me just rehash the techniques and you can think about them whether you're an expert or not. Visualize the processes. So you might have to ask people about them, you might find out, even if you're an expert, you might find out that there's things you've made assumptions about that aren't actually true as you do this process. That's always fun and interesting. But you'll also probably find out that things are not well visualized, whether you're whether you're starting out at it with a new product or not. At least this has been my experience. There's always an opportunity to learn more about what's actually happening, to visualize it better, to make it more clear to everybody involved. Use your naivete to spot the emperor's new clothes. Put yourself in the customer's shoes. They don't know much either. And see if the product pitch makes sense to you. See if the product introduction, when they start using it, makes sense. All of those things that can really make use of the fact that you don't know much and so you can't give the excuses that you might give once you know a lot. This goes along with trying the product out. The more you know about your product, the easier it is to gloss over problems. You know, it's the curse of knowledge. When you don't know anything, it's harder to be cursed by this knowledge and it's easier to see problems that might rub everybody the wrong way, but you've just gotten so used to them if you're an expert that you don't notice them anymore. And make decisions. Well, you have to do that anyway. You're going to do that throughout your job as a product manager, and you might as well get started even if you don't know anything. So I hope you found these ideas useful and can apply them in your job, whether you're brand new or the local expert and guru on your product. I'd love to hear any other suggestions you have for quickly delivering value when you first start a new job. You know, it can be difficult and challenging to put some of these ideas into practice without a guide, I love working with product managers one-on-one to help them deliver more value wherever they are in their career, just starting out or been doing it a long time. And I'd be happy to spend a half hour on the phone with you, no obligation, totally free, to help you work on freeing up some value, making some decisions, maybe even visualizing something. Even a short call like this can result in some amazing transformation. And if you want to build then on that conversation, I have availability for coaching clients. Perhaps you might like to join my coaching cohort. So alltheresponsibility.com slash coaching is where you can sign up for a free half hour with me. Love to have you join me for that. Um, The show notes and the comment box are at alltheresponsibility.com slash 72. There's links to other episodes where I talk about related topics, including my episode about the curse of knowledge as it applies to market discovery. You'll also find links to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think the list is growing and growing. The great benefit of subscribing is that you get new episodes automatically when I release them. And there's more on the show notes page. There's things like how to get in touch with me directly. There's a link to my book which you can buy. If you like the things I talk about on this podcast, you might like my book. And if you want to do me a really big favor, you could review the podcast on iTunes or simply recommend it in your podcast app. This helps other product managers and innovators find the podcast, so it really helps me out. It spreads the word, gets more listeners, more downloads, all good stuff. So that's about it for now. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.